0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What do you need to get off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, develop positive coping skills, and much more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/Ramdas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot slash Ramdas.
1: Welcome to Ramdas Here and Now. I'm Raghu Marcus. Hi, everybody. We have a, a new talk that I've pulled from the archives. Actually, this is from uh, 1994. And uh, I'm titling this particular excerpt, Make Friends with Change. I think it's a pretty important. Uh, Essency talk uh, around what really is going on with our world these days. And interestingly enough, so this is 20 years ago. Ramdas was talking about the instability of our uh, social, economic, environmental uh, systems and how uh, it seems to be there is a continuity of breakdown with, uh, and this is, you know, as I said, 20 years ago, he's talking about what was going on then, really seems to have escalated to this particular moment in time and space. And I'm speaking this or talking about this stuff in this moment when it's just after the election, which happened uh, November 4th year, 2014, and the uh, control of Congress has completely flipped over to the Republicans. And, um, you know, you watch what's going on on television and you see uh, this deep, intense polarization uh, in our country in the United States at this point, and the deep, deep distrust that is going on, and I feel very much part of it myself. I have, and I've said this on other podcasts, I feel very vulnerable to deep reactivity to, uh, to what I see represented by the right? And uh, I find it very, very difficult to uh, put into practice what I have gotten through uh, these decades of work, inner work. And uh, so Ramdas addresses some of this stuff here, in, in a way that's, I think, it's more global. It's more; it has more of a historical uh, viewpoint. It has more of a potentially positive uh, uh, way of seeing it and dealing with it. So he talks about the increasing destabilization of, of our uh, societal systems. And that, you know, we tend to then identify and feel vulnerable and identify with separateness. And we try and create safety nets and as we do that, you know, our own little personal worlds where we can feel safe in our home, feel safe with uh, some kind of idea that we have uh, financial security uh, and we feel safe in our limited circle of family and friends. And, but that is uh, contraction. And when that contraction happens, we are then fostering, uh, as he says here, fear, prejudice, and then you see, of course, spreading out locally and globally an increase in violence and sectarianism, all in order to preserve the security of the familiar. So, I think that goes for, for all of us in, in, in the world, of course, in, in very big ways, uh, this kind of separation where there is really a tremendous amount of ignorance. But even with people who are, quote unquote, conscious or consciously working on themselves, we tend to do. I see it in myself where I try and create uh, buffers around myself to hold secure and, uh, not feel vulnerable. So, uh, and he talks about this as a dark period that leads to a realignment of social forces and so on. But here's the kicker. It's also a profound transformative period. And in that transformation, there is, we have an opportunity. Uh, so, all we know is in these situations, as Ramdas says here, it, it can become an opportunity for growth. But here's it requires, and this is a, a key in this talk it requires consciousness, a consciousness that holds an inner quality of equanimity, an openness to the unknown, a certain way in which the chaos of the system doesn't undercut you because you are not dependent on the external for your equanimity. So that goes hand in hand with uh, the practices that we all engage with to become more conscious, that we put those practices into real purpose related to the outside forces that we are part of. You know, there's a, he talks actually in the beginning of the talk uh, about there's a balance and tension. It's like holding separate things hold, in, in different planes of consciousness at once, because each plane has its own reality. And here we're talking about the tension between uh, us as, a, uh, as an individual and then that part of us that's part of these systems of society of the economics of the uh, of the environment of the political forces and so on so being able to identify this kind of consciousness that has an openness to the unknown that's an extremely important uh, quality that that is an anecdote to the uh you know the identification of separateness and vulnerability very very important i would say he says uh, you and i are training to be instruments in a society for the stability in the presence of change and not holding on to old systems but being able to move into the unknown that's why i thought this was a a great title for this this particular uh segment of the Ram Dass talk called and calling it Make Friends with Change. And here is another level of it, which I, uh, I think is really important to identify with, that just to recognize our incarnation. We all take birth at different historical moments to do a particular kind of work on ourselves. That just think, so that starts to get you... Uh, you know, from global to, uh, to a, a, an even greater perspective, incarnation ex, uh, perspective, that we really, that the things that happen to us in this particular life are all opportunities to move through and uh, be able to transform ourselves. And that is a primary purpose for our incarnation and this is a very uh, this uh, particular moment of, of transformation around the world. I mean, just think of the environment. I mean, God knows how difficult uh, it is. And, and, of course, one of my own reactivities is to see these people who deny this and do nothing about it and who take it upon themselves to actually abuse the environment uh, w- w- with without blinking an eye, without naming names here, it starts with a K. Uh, so, a change and uncertainty is part of our curriculum at at this time. So, this Ramdas refers to this historical moment as a thrilling moment because it deepens the quality of our potential awakenedness. The turmoil and suffering is. Uh, is an incredible quality to work with for inner development. Of course, this is all easy stuff to say. And, uh, you know, many of us are having a very, very difficult time when uh, there's, uh, you know, deep suffering involved. It becomes very difficult to stay in a center, to... Do the practices that are necessary to uh, engender that equanimity that he's talking about here. And uh, uh, last but not least, uh, uh, one of the things that he really uh, puts forward as uh, something that is really the rudder for being able to really connect in the moment, and you know, Ramdas is all about. The present moment, being here now, and that is uh, faith. And I love the way he talks about it in this in this part of this talk. That it, it it's he says it's really come to mean something real, not just uh, an objective term. We have to have faith. It's it's a matter of us understanding the faith, just like we're talking about the. You take birth in an incarnation at a certain particular time in history that is perfect for you to become free. And there's a certain faith in knowing that. There's a faith that how how deeply we are connected into that historical moment, into that present moment, where we can just look at what is, he says. And that includes our heart's breaking. It includes the awe of the mystery and it includes, he calls it, a deep giggle at the incredible joke of it all, and that joke being how we get lost in, in the illusion, all of it. And uh, I think it's critical, though, to identify our faith. And it's not, faith is not quantifiable. It's not a matter of how much you have. It's Faith is not that. Faith, to me, is is the tiniest little moments of sartori, of uh, unexplained peace in a moment that you might have, unexplained connectivity that you feel with people that aren't your family or friends in a moment, just at a grocery store. That kind of faith really then starts to permeate all of the uh, all of your pores all of our molecules and it and it it it, it allows us to to really uh not fall into what ram das talks about early, early in this talk uh which is separateness which breeds fear and vulnerability and so on and it's just it we do really have it. We just have to acknowledge the small tiny moments of being completely present. Wonderful talk here, uh, making friends with change, so apt for what we what we're going through these days. I want to also uh, before I leave you with this talk, I want to remind everybody uh, we a couple of things. we. Of course, thank everybody for the support that we get at the Love, Serve, Remember Foundation, which presents all of Ramdas and Friends' work through ramdas.org, through retreats, and so on and so forth. We have this wonderful movie, really, I think it's a real offering, and it's called Cultivating Grace and Transforming Suffering. With uh, Ramdas, Jack Kornfield, Krishna Das, Mirabai Bush, Trudy Goodman. And uh, that's available at ramdas.org. That's part of our cultivating series. This is the third one. I think very useful uh, teachings in all of them. And I also want to introduce you to the MindPod Network. I've talked a little bit about it. MindPodNetwork.com, where we have. Uh, a destination site of podcasts from Ramdas from Mind Rolling which is me and David Silver from Jack Cornfield from Krishnadas and Sharon Salzberg what people have uh called at least uh, uh we've had comments to uh, our Mind Rolling <laughs> podcast when we f- started featuring these people that's your low hanging fruit meaning People we've been associated with and in close contact for many decades, and they're part of what Ramdas calls our soul pod. So go to mindpodnetwork.com and check it out. There's lots of beautiful stuff there, not just podcasts, but blogs and articles. Oh, Noah said, don't call it blogs, words of wisdom. So, tons of great articles, videos, and uh, some kirtan from Krishnadas. And uh, enjoy. And we will see you next time at Ramdas here and
0: now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Stop for a moment and think about something that you really need to get off your chest. It could be frustration with your job or a coworker. It could be fear or uncertainty about the future. It could be a secret that you've been hiding for years. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Speaking with a therapist on a regular basis is also a great way to improve your communication skills Learn to resolve conflict. Increase your self-awareness and self-esteem. Develop positive coping strategies. Build stronger relationships and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist plus switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/Ramdas today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com slash Ramdas.
2: Um, I invite you to um, consider the issue of balance and tension. There are a number of things that seem very paradoxical in our lives. There are tensions that we have to hold, where we have to hold disparate things that really represent different planes of consciousness. And one of the things about vertical, it's like vertical schizophrenia. We're used to horizontal schizophrenia, where you've got two personalities and you're this one or that one. But here, when you move through planes of consciousness, these planes each have their own reality to them. So, for example, the one that everything's meaningless, and then the plane in which it's all very meaningful, can you hold both of those at once, meaningless and meaningful, and realize that have each moment imbued with both of those at the same moment? How about the tension that's created between you as an individual and you as a member of systems? That's a tension. That's a creative tension all the time. Do you get too far over one way? One of the stories that one of the meditation teachers tells is about being in Thailand, and he was with his teacher, and he was the teacher was allowing him to sit as, he was, as the teacher was instructing students. And he noticed that the teacher would tell one student one thing and another student something exactly opposite. And my friend got more and more agitated. And finally he said to the teacher, I don't understand, you're so inconsistent. The teacher says, there's nothing to it. He said, if you're walking behind somebody and they start to go off into the ditch on the left, you yell, go right, go right. They start to go off in the ditch on the right, you go left, go left. He says, that's all there is. And in a way, that's part of what our dance is. It's a dance of balance, of living with the tensions, of not getting too lost in the one. Like when I said to that group of, uh, of activists, we're all one. See, I was up-leveling with, with imbalance. I wasn't hearing the dance of diversity and unity. And there's just a beautiful dance of unity and diversity. I can't resist reading you the story. It's just such fun. It's a short one. A shepherd was grazing his sheep when a passerby said, that's a fine flock of sheep you have. Could I ask you something about them? Of course, said the shepherd. Said the man, how much would you say your sheep walk each day? Which ones? The white ones or the black ones? The white ones. Well, the white ones walk about four miles a day. On the black ones, the black ones too. (laughs) How How much grass would you say they eat each day? Which ones are you referring to? The white ones or the black ones? The white ones. Well, the white ones eat about four pounds of grass each day. And the black ones? The black ones too. And how much wool would you say they give each year? Which ones? The white ones or the black ones? The white ones. Well, I'd say the white ones give six pounds a cheering time and the black ones the black ones too the passerby was intrigued may i ask you why you have this strange habit of dividing your sheep into white and black each time you answer one of my questions well said the shepherd that's only natural the white ones are mine you see ah and the black ones the black ones too said the shepherd <laughs> <laughs> that's the one of seeing the diversity from unity <laughs> one other thing we talked about was what you and I are in training for at this moment in the, on the plane of social political um, economic, environmental, history. And we talked about, and I want to remind you of that discussion about the destabilizing forces that are extant at the moment in terms of the North-South economic polarities, the um, the kind of environmental degradation that is in part the result of things like quarterly financial reports. I mean, there's a lot of motivations that lead to, uh, um, and cultural values that lead to exploitation of the environment and using resources that are non-renewable. Um, and the um, just the breakdown of social systems and the fact that we are in a moment when we haven't yet Adapted our metaphors for living to the shift that the what you'd call the information age has brought about, because that immediate CNN mentality of information has basically changed our relationship to time and space, and the computer chip has really changed us, our lives, much more than any of us yet have models to inco- that incorporate. And uh, I think it is reasonable to expect, and I, I have examined this whether or not I'm, I'm, where that's coming from in me, and I really don't know. I've just got to say this is from a perceptual, wherever I'm sitting, or caught or something, that I see that uh, we are uh, facing in the next 20, 30, 40 years increasing destabilization of social systems and increasing what might be called chaos as opposed to cosmos, increasing kind of anarchic processes of forces. And uh, under those conditions, as we talked before, under those conditions, most people who who are identified with their separateness, which they feel very little and very vulnerable, and they have structured an environment to make themselves feel safe. And as that stuff starts to crumble, as their stocks and bonds change their value, as it all starts to change, as the road has more potholes in it, as all of it, as they have to lock their doors and double lock their doors because of theft and violence as drugs and on goes, there is a contraction in people. And that contraction is rooted in their fear. And that contraction leads to increases in prejudice, increases in in bigotry, and ultimately increases in violence in order to preserve the security of the familiar. Now, this period may, from one point of view, it looks like a very dark period in which, unlike the Native Americans who say you must make every act Every act must be in terms of seven generations, in terms of its implications for your children's children's children, and then backwards, so you're doing it in a relation to time. We are seeming to live less and less like that. And um, the um, whether we see this as... Um, I mean, I can feel that... When I look at, say, a a child that goes through puberty, during that time of puberty, it's an extremely chaotic emotional field for that child because the old things aren't really working and the new things aren't really yet evolved. And there is a really disoriented period. And I could see this period we're going through which may lead to really a realignment of economic forces and social forces and political upheaval, I see it as a period in which there is the potential, because I feel that the information age and all forces collective consciousness. And I could see it as a very profound um, growth period, a transformative period. I can also read the scenario slightly different with a flick of consciousness and see it as something that bubbles out of control and increases destruction and chaos and ultimately leads to perhaps, I don't know, the lack of uh, the earth being a habitable place for uh, for life, for human life, at any rate, maybe anything but single cells or something. Now... Um, I don't know the answer to that, I mean that's the mystery, that's uncertain. And all I can know is that in those situations, to hear how that situation can can become an opportunity for growth and can move from one system into another without violence requires the kind of consciousness that has A certain inner quality of equanimity, a certain um, openness to the unknown, and a certain way in which the chaos of the system doesn't undercut you because you're not dependent on the external for your equanimity. And it feels to me like you and I are in training to be instruments in a society for the stability in the presence of change, not holding on to the old system, but being able to move into the unknown and different systems. You can watch the way some people travel. They go into another culture, and they the differences in the culture so offend and frighten them that they immediately go into their hotel room and set up their brushes and everything so that they can feel safe and at home the way they know it. And um, I've watched myself do all these different things. And then at other times feel so deeply content in my being that I come into a whole new situation with new responses, new language, and I'm, yeah, wow. And I really feel how my mind in that situation... I mean, I've gone into places where I felt all these people are so horrible, and they're... They're untrustworthy, and they're going to steal from me, and it's all horrible. And then I go back another time, and I'm in a different state of mind, and I see that that wasn't it at all. I was just reading the signals wrong. I was reading the signals based on my own inner fear. And so I invite you to be part of that which allows change to be creative. And to make friends with change. Because change involves the aging of your body. It involves the decay of everything. Everybody you know is going to die. I just want to tell you. Including you. It's absolutely built into the system. You can pump it up. Cut it. Shape it. Do anything. It's still going. It's in the cards. And I think that a change and that uncertainty is part of our curriculum, living at this time. And when I stand back outside of incarnation and outside of time and see that people take birth at different historical moments for different work on themselves, I find this historical moment an absolutely thrilling moment. I live in the, in the States, in San Francisco, where there is a tendency to see the 60s as when it happened. And the 90s are the horrible result of all of the terrible years in between and so on. I don't see it that way at all. I see that in the 60s there was an exciting freshness, there was also incredible naivete. And what I see now is a much deeper quality of awakeness. And I find this, and that. I find that, that just that turmoil and suffering is incredible stuff to work with in, in inner work. Because I feel in myself now very, very tough. I feel like, and I think it has to do, um, I think it has to do with faith. I think that the fact that the systems have... the practices over these years have have connected me more and more deeply to uh, what is. To just being part of what is. Being less special and being more part of... I know I'm sitting up here and I'm very special, but I'm not. That's just a role. That's a, I'm in the special role. But basically, That isn't the inner part of my being. And the inner part of my being feels very connected and more and more deeply all the time into the universe at the plane of membership in the systems and also in the part of the oneness and in the emptiness. And there is a quality of power or centeredness that is not the false power of ego, it's not the false power of being somebody. It's not the false power of money or or political uh, power. It's uh, It's the power that the earth has or the sky or the wind or the trees. It's, it's, it's another kind of power. And that makes... And that one has to do with the ability to be with the mystery of the universe without... Frightened, grabbing, and the unknown without contracting. And staying open in a way that makes me able to be with the world as it is more. I mean, I'm still early on in the journey. I mean, I know you would like to think I am advanced, but because after all you paid to learn from me, but I hate to disappoint you. I'm just another you know, person on this journey with you. And, and but when I ask what has happened to me in 25 years of this practice, or 61, now 30, 33 years since I first started to realize that I was had, I've been had, um, I can tell you that the word faith has come to mean something very real to me of a way of being so deeply connected into the present moment that I just look at what is and that what is includes my heart breaking and breaking and breaking and breaking and it includes the awe of the mystery and it includes a deep, deep giggle, a cosmic giggle at the incredible joke of it all. All of it all of it, all of it, and that, this rich, rich stew, it is just so profoundly, so profoundly beautiful. And as far as the issue of service is concerned, the line of Rabindranath Tagore is so beautiful. I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted. And behold, service is joy. I want to encourage you, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling full of your own problems, constricted, I invite you to to just make that effort to reach out to another human heart for your own healing for your own healing for your own healing I can't tell you how rich my life is because of the people with cancer the people with AIDS the Guatemalans, the Nepalese, the Indians the Native Americans the street homeless people, the just the web of people that I feel involved with and just we meet heart to heart. I meet with a group of AIDS people who have chosen to live in rural settings up in their cabins and rather than go to the city where all the care is usually given. So they have a wonderful visiting nurse and we have a little foundation. And, and about once a month, I drive three or four hours to Northern California and we all hang out for the day together. And we just go around the circle and describe what life's like for each of us. At the end of the day, we all feel so richly fed. So richly fed. And people say, Ramdas, thank you so much for coming here and creating this space. People say, isn't Ramdas good? Look at how much he gives. Isn't that funny? That isn't the world I live in. The world I lived in was that was an incredible gift. Incredible gift. Because people that are facing profound moments in their life, there is a way in which they will open to truth in a way that people that think they're winning don't. And there is a great thrill of being with other human beings in truth. Just a great, great feeding from it. The essence of, of our work together is the word remembering. It's remembering. Remembering that you've forgotten. As one of my friends once said, the fun of forgetting is that you can remember. ha, <laughs> ha. And Gurdjieff said, an alarm clock that wakes you up one moment, you sleep right through later. So you put on your refrigerator door something that says Sri Ram jai Ram' or something that reminds you. And afterwards, it just looks like a dirty paper. And so it goes, pictures turn into nothing. But there is a way, just a way. Some people say, you know, Ram Dass, I drive to work with you in the morning, just put on a tape. One older couple came to me and said, you know, you go to bed with us every night. (laughs) There are just these little devices for remembering, a little booklet, a something, a something, just a something to remind you, something to remind you. And every time you quiet down or every and the fun is getting so that with the beads or with your breath the breath it's fun that the breath becomes your reminder
1: this podcast is brought to you by the love serve remember foundation and ramdas.org we appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us please continue that support and donate at ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What do you need to get off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, develop positive coping skills, and much more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/Ramdas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com slash Ramdas.